Welcome to the New Life Philly podcast. Every week, we share fresh insights as we explore the inexhaustible depths of the Word of God. We pray that you will be encouraged and challenged today as we continue in our study. Let's join in now. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Is that good? Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? God is good. All the time. It's so good to be at New Life Philly. It's so good to hear that. I love it. New Life Philly. I've heard so many good things about, about you. Uh, as uh, Pastor Larry said, we go back a, a long time. Uh, he's a dear brother, and uh, as he was saying to me in his office, I, I, I haven't yet figured it out, but I probably owe him some royalties. I have to figure out how you do royalties when uh, pastors, members to you have seen a uh, number of people that he has referred to me over the years uh, to do therapy. So uh, I'll put it back in the love our friend, Pastor. And uh, so good to see Chris, uh, uh, you are certainly blessed. He's just a dear anointed brother uh, who I, I know from my former church, and uh, it's good to see him here. Good to see you, Chris. Uh, and good as well to have my beautiful wife of uh, 35 years. In about two weeks, we'll be celebrating our 35th uh, anniversary. Been married to the same woman, 35 years. She's, she's had uh, the best and most of my life. Uh, actually, 40 years together, married for 35 years. And I could not do all of what God has called me to do without this precious woman and my daughter, Tia, who's uh, a senior at Eastern, and uh, it's good that they're here. I want to jump right into it. My time starts now. (laughs) So the title of my message today is Real Rap. Now, as a preacher, and I've been preaching right through 2020 into 21 online, a new ministry, the Lord is birth. And uh, I have so many uh, messages uh, on the ice when you're a preacher uh, my pastor, when I was a young kid uh, back in the Caribbean, where I'm from, uh, the island of Barbados, my pastor taught me as a young man, I started preaching at age 11, he taught me that as a preacher, you should always have a, a, a message in your back pocket. And uh, there's so many things I had on the ice. I was seeking the Lord about what he wanted me to say, and believe it or not, uh, the Spirit said, real rap. I was like, real rap? What is that? And so that's, and I try to get away from it to preach something else. And this is what the Lord dropped in my spirit from first, uh, from Philippians chapter two, which is where I'll be going. And so I want to talk to you, uh, rap with you this morning, real rap. Uh, my thesis statement and a thesis is, is an essential idea, the main idea or thought of, of an article, a book. Uh, a speech, a thought, a poem. There's an essential idea, essential idea of a sermon. We call it the thesis. 
My thesis statement is to help you get an appreciation of Paul's real rap as an organizing paradigm for kingdom living in these uncertain, painful, and polarizing times. I'm sure that you can agree with me that we live in some very uncertain times. Uh, We live in some very painful times, and we live in some some times that are very polarizing. And I want to talk about real rap and engage you. By real rap, uh, real rap defying signifies seriousness. If I'm going to rap with you, you know, uh, sometimes you say, you know, you know I want to rap with you. If I'm going to rap with you, that, that, that means there's some seriousness, some serious stuff. So I want to rap with you this morning through the word. It means you're dead serious when you engage in real rap about something and about a situation. I am dead serious. I am dead serious about the word of God. I'm dead serious about what I want to share with you this morning as we talk about observation, what we've observed and experienced in our society. And I want to do some real rap with you, serious about what God says in the word in terms of revelation. And hopefully we can look at what does Jesus want from us. That, that's what I want you to encounter. What does Jesus want from us? It was the renowned Swiss theologian Karl Barth that said, take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both. There's some who have quoted that as Barth saying, you know, you carry the Christian or preacher someone who carries the Bible in the right and the and the newspaper in the left. What Barth actually said is that take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both, but interpret the newspaper from the Bible. Take your Bible and your newspaper, you have to read both, but interpret the newspaper from the Bible. We need in this time a contemporary voice a voice of wisdom, and that wisdom comes from Scripture, from the Word of God, because the Word of God is relevant for all times. Would somebody say amen? Amen. And the preacher's task, indeed I want to suggest, that the task of every believer is to connect the stories of the Bible, the stories of God revealing himself as we celebrate In this Advent season, the story of God revealing himself in person in the form of you. The stories of God encountering men and women. That the task of each of us is to take those stories and interpret what we see in the light of the stories. In the light of God's word. That we know that God is to reveal himself through his word. And the word of God is effective and powerful. I love the word of God. Can I just say that? Can I just say, I love the word of God. I'm a word guy. I love the word of God. Now, I love psychology. I love psychology. But I love the word of God. I've studied uh, human behavior all my life. I teach it. I love psychology. 
clinical psychology. I love to get into people's mind and head and understand what's going on. I love studying that. I'm fascinated by people. Fascinated. I find people fascinating. But I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God. The Word of God. And Christians, that God has revealed himself in Jesus And we see in the word God walking alongside us. We see God welcoming us, all of us, wherever we are from. Whatever we look like, we see God welcoming us. We see in the word God including us. Even when we think that we should not be included. Why are you talking to me? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Why do you want me to drink? We see... Jesus including us when we thought that we didn't deserve to be included because of what the culture says we see in the word God forgiven us forgiven us I thank God for forgiveness oh Lord have mercy and all of you have in our pre-salvation experience And even in our flesh, we still need Jesus to forgive us because we struggle and will struggle until the day that we are taken from this place. We see, reveal God healing us and God raising us up and sending us to become the men and women he wants us to be. So we need a constant voice to interpret not just scripture, but what is going on around us. So my questions are, what is God Where is God in all this? When we look at what is happening, where is God? And where is God leading us? Where is God leading you, new life? We need to pay attention to the world around us. We need to pay attention to God entering our own lives and experiencing what that means for us and how we engage our neighbors in the challenges of our times. In the concerns of our times, I'm concerned about the divisiveness and the polarization that has emerged in our culture and the moral decay and the crisis of truth in our nation. I'm concerned, not as a, simply as a psychologist, I'm concerned as a man of God about the crisis of truth in our nation and we need a voice we need a voice to interpret what's happening and to center that in the word of God hallelujah the late Dr. Martin Luther King says our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter and with Dr. King the day I stop speaking about What's going on around me? The day I stop using the word of God to speak out, the day I stop being prophetic is the day that my life will begin to end. As a man of God, as a prophet, the prophet must speak and address the conditions of the people. The prophet is the one who speaks and address the conditions of the nation. And God has given us that responsibility to speak the word and to interpret what is in the newspaper through that paradigm. 
We need a constant voice of scripture. We need to pay attention to the world. So I want to take what I'm calling the Barthian framework. I want to look at the, the newspaper. And then I want to do a scriptural voice. I want to take a scriptural voice to the framework of Barth. That we need to read both the newspaper, be aware of what's going on. There's a crisis in our nation. There's always been a crisis in our nation. And there are people who struggle with, am I a citizen? Do I really matter? This nation would. In the Declaration of Independence in 1776, we said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is what we said, that we are all created equal and that each of us have the right to pursue life, to pursue liberty, and to pursue happiness. And there is a crisis because there are many people in this nation who do not experience that. And so when we look at what we've seen in our nation with black and brown people, we look at what we see with African-Americans who engage a criminal justice system that is unjust. We can see from this slide the difference in how people of color are treated. We can see the question of citizenship is still is still on the board. We, we need to read the newspaper. We need to apply the paradigm of looking at what is going on if we're going to be relevant as a church. And you're in the heart of the city. And you're in neighborhoods with poor people. You're in neighborhoods with black and brown people. You're in neighborhoods with people who are considered the least of these and as a church, New Life Philly, I'm here to remind you of what your call is. To be relevant, to speak to the issues in your community. Otherwise, you are just another church. There's a lot of bad news. There's racism and hate and violence and divisiveness and fear that rips our nation. And we see there have been many bad weeks in 2020, next slide. Many bad weeks as we see what's happening in our nation. We see young black men and women murdered and killed. It's a crisis. Isn't that a bad week? Early in the year, another black man was fatally shot by sheriff deputies while they were serving a warrant in North Carolina. We must read the newspapers. We must be aware. We must not become apathetic and say, okay, that's just another one. We must, we must not become deaf, deaf to the injustice 
in our nation. We must not become apathetic. We must be men and women of God who speak up. And in real rap, as I talked to you this morning, we see, next slide, you know, from January to April of this year, we see, uh, next slide, the massive mass shootings all over this country. We wonder, what's going on? What's happening? What's going on in the minds of people? What is happening in our nation? We cannot be simply satisfied with going to work and making money and doing our own thing. That's not the call of the church. The church must agitate. The church must protest. The church must speak. The church must speak out. The church must be in the forefront of healing and providing hope to people who are depressed, who struggle with mental health issues. One of the most critical issues in this country is mental health. And we must be in the forefront of helping men and women and restoring them. We know what happened last year. We know what happened last year. And it it brought a major and swift change in this country, the, the murder of George Floyd. Next slide. For nine minutes and 29 seconds. You've heard this over and over again, and I don't want you to forget it or to be tired. Because when you're tired, become apathetic. The struggle is still on. And until Jesus takes us from here, we need to be concerned for nine minutes and 29 seconds. And the question is, on the left, that was bad news. And when we had a conviction, there are people who were celebrating. Let Let me just share something with you if I can be transparent. I believe that Officer Chauvin was guilty of murder. I believe he should have been convicted. But I did not know how I would respond when the verdict came. I heard the verdict live. I was meeting with my president and we were crafting a statement to send out to our community. And uh, I don't know that I was excited when I heard the verdict. I felt it was the right verdict. But that picture on the left, when I saw that picture, (coughs) I felt deeply sad. I did not expect that that God gave me a deep compassion for Derek Chauvin. I did not anticipate that that would happen. So I was not one that celebrated. I felt sad to see him walk back there. 
in handcuffs and know that his life is over. That both the victim and the perpetrator needs restoration. Nine minutes and 29 seconds led to the death of one man. But it's a loss for two men. And we ask ourselves the question, what was in the mind of this officer? And then we see out of the protest, next slide, this young man, Carl Rittenhouse, who went across state line with a weapon that he shouldn't be carrying, and injuring and killing two individuals. I hope you're not getting tired. And several days ago, when this verdict came, not guilty, people feel hurt. And once again, the justice system has shown us its imperfection. And it's very interesting because five days later, next slide, we heard a verdict of three white men found guilty for a crime that they committed or were, were participants in. I don't know that justice was served. There is accountability. But we must be concerned when this continues to happen. Because Ahmad Arbery and those men who think it was okay to pursue him, a young black man jogging in a neighborhood, something is wrong. When people think that that's okay, I have two sons. And I had this conversation around our table when it happened. And my daughter was crying. And I asked her what happened. She saw her brothers. When she saw Ahmad and her, she saw her brothers. The arc of the moral universe Martin Luther King says is long, but it bends towards justice. As a matter of fact, that has been popularized by Dr. King. But it, the original source of that quote is a Unitarian minister who was an abolitionist called Theodore Parker. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Dr. King also said, without justice, there can be no peace. The late 
Pope John Paul says, there's no peace without justice and no justice without forgiveness. So we have to go a step further. Because Derek Chauvin and those three men that were convicted need forgiveness. And they need restoration because they're lost without Jesus. And our ministry must, must, we must as a church be in the forefront of building bridges of repair and reconciliation. Prophet Habakkuk was concerned. When you read Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, that sounds like today. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out for you? Violence! Habakkuk felt that, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Habakkuk looked at what was happening to his people. Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Does that sound like 2021? The word of God. The word of God. We need the word of God. Habakkuk was concerned with the same thing in his day. And it sounds like 2021. The Hebrew word in this text. The burden that Habakkuk felt. The Hebrew word massa. Which means a heavy load. A weight. I want to look at Philippians chapter 2. As we do some real rap, as we continue our real rap with the text, Paul exhorts believers to two things. First of all, to remain steadfast in their faith. And secondly, To imitate the humility of Christ. Who emptied himself. In the context, Paul is making a preposition here. He's writing to the Philippian church. And he's expressing his appreciation for their financial support. The Philippian church was the church that supported Paul's ministry more than any other church. And if you read chapter one, you will see that Paul is is commending them and thanking them, acknowledging their gifts. And he begins to rap with them. 
He speaks from the experience of Christ's suffering. And Paul says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any encouragement? In the midst of all of the divisiveness and polarization and injustice we see and violence in our city, we just passed in Philadelphia the most murders since 1990. And in real rap, I'm rapping with you. Is there any encouragement? Do we have any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Or are we going to just get depressed and hold our, our hands up? Is there any encouragement? Paul was, was raising some rhetorical questions to the church. Is there any fellowship, any comfort? From the love, from his love. Is there, is there any comfort in your life? Is there any comfort? Is there any fellowship in the scripture? Our hearts tender and compassionate. Do you have compassionate hearts? How, how, how could you not have compassionate hearts when you look at what is going on? The word said that when Jesus looked at the people and saw they were scattered. He was moved with compassion. Are there any compassionate hearts in the house? Are there any compassionate hearts in New Life Philly? For what's happening around us? Can I rap with you this morning? And, And Paul says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another. Only if this nation would rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. That all men are created equal. And they're given rights that can't be taken away. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That we're yet to see that in this nation. All animals are equal. You read Animal Farm by George Orwell. But some animals are more equal than others. The very last prayer that Jesus prayed on his metaphorical dying bed, Jesus knew that they were about to come and arrest him and crucify him. The very last thing that Jesus prayed for us In John 17, I pray, God, that there be one, that there be one, as you and I are one, I pray that there be one. That I in them, as you are in me, I pray, God, for them. I pray not only for them, meaning the disciples, but I pray for those who will come in their name. That's you and I. Jesus prayed for you. I pray that there be one. Only if we can become one. Agree. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. New life in our Philly. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourselves. 
Don't look out only for your own interests, but the interests of ours. I was very impressed to hear that your pastor, you could do with that 10% from that offering, could you? Of course you could do with that. We all could do with some more money. There are lots of things to do around here. But he talked about giving 10% to another church, to five churches, because they need a boiler. Don't look out for your own interests, but take on the interests of others. We have to do that with people in our communities. We have to do that with marginalized groups in this city. We have to do that with black and brown people across this nation. Look out not only for your own interests, but the interests of others. Real rap. And then he goes on in verse 5 and he says, You must have the same attitude that Christ had, who being in the form of God, taught it not robbery, equal, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Jesus humbled himself. Humble himself. Hallelujah. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. That God has called you as a church to be that kind of church that you're not better. Humble yourself. The task, next slide, the task is that we have to learn how to die daily. The God has called us to die daily. Jesus said, as he was talking about his death, now the time has come that the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat it's planted in the soil and dies. It remains alone. But its death will produce many more kernels. You got to die. So that you could live. And those who love their life in this world will lose. Some of us are too comfortable. Because we love our life too much. We just want a good job and make some money. And have our house with our picket fence in a safe neighborhood. And we good. We've lived the American dream. You love your life, you will lose it. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world but lose his soul? Tonight, your soul is required of you. Those who care nothing for this life in this world will keep it for eternity. And then Jesus goes on to say, now my soul is deeply troubled. Verse 27, should I pray? Father, save me from this hour. But this is the very reason I came. This is the very reason I came, Jesus says. I came to die. Daddy, if it is possible, could you get me off this cross? These nails hurt. There's so much pain, Daddy. Can can you get me off this cross? Nevertheless, nevertheless, it's not about me, Daddy. It's about your will. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. I submit myself. That you are here for this very reason. God has called 
this pastor and this pastor and all of you. For this reason, you are here. The late Dr. King died daily. He faced death daily. And he knew it. His final speech, we know what he says. I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. I might not get there with you in a kind of prophetic sense. But we as a people will get there. The faith of Dr. King that we could live together. Black sons of black boys of slave owners and slaves can sit at the table of brotherhood. The faith he had in the gospel and teaching nonviolence and capable of change. Dr. King died daily and we see his legacy. The Apostle Paul, next slide, knew what it was to die daily. In Philippians 6, 17, Paul says, For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The Greek word here is stigmata, which means scar marks. I bear, I know what it is like to bear the marks. What are the marks you're bearing this morning, church? You got to take you got to take some punches for the gospel. You got to take some hits. And everybody's not going to like what you do or what you say. Pastor, everybody's not going to like what you say from this pulpit. I bear the marks for the gospel. For the gospel. Hallelujah. For the gospel. I bear the marks. You got to die. We got to die daily. Die. Die to our flesh and ourselves, our selfish desires, our need for comfort, our need for pleasure. The hedonism we see, we must be willing to die. Who being in the form of God taught him not robbery, but make himself humble himself. And finally, Jesus. And one of my favorite passages in Luke 4 goes into the synagogue to read. And the scroll was given to him and it was actually opened to Isaiah 60. The prophet prophesied this. And Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And to preach, next slide, the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. There are five groups of people in that text. The poor, those who are in captive and bound by all kinds of things. And those who are blind, both physically and spiritually. And those who are oppressed. Are there people in this community who are oppressed? Some are oppressed by drugs, by pleasure, by sex, by all kinds of things. People are oppressed. And then he rolled up the scroll, the word said. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. He says, today, this is fulfilled. I am the fulfillment of that passage. I have come to proclaim the year of Jubilee. 
the year of God's favor. Isaiah 1, 17, the prophet said, learn to do good and seek justice and come against correct oppression, but justice, justice for the fatherless. There are fatherless children in this community. So many children that need fathers. And, and please the widow's cause. Plead the cause of the widows. He stole your man, Micah says, one of my favorite passages. What is good and what does the Lord require? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. God has called you as a church to be that kind of cutting edge ministry. It's not about how many people are in the pews. It's about whether you are creating disciples. Next slide. As I close, the harvest is ready. There's a harvest. There's a harvest that's ready. There's there's so much needs in our community. There's so much... There's so much pain. As a psychologist, I get to sit and listen to people's pain some days of the week. There's so much pain. There's so much brokenness. There's so much trauma. So much trauma. So much abuse. So much sexual abuse. You know how many children are abused? One out of every every four girls will be sexually abused by age 18 in this country. One out of every seven boys. And sometimes I get to see that now they're adults and they're finally dealing with something traumatic that happened. So much pain. So much pain. The harvest. The harvest. Jesus said, Open your eyes. The harvest is right. As I close this morning, I feel the burden. That God has called you as a church. To get it to between the pews. And to pray. And to seek his face. And to engage. The harvest. The brokenness in our communities. The pain. The hopelessness of our young people. God has called you to be that kind of church. Not be concerned with your own needs, but the needs of those who are hungry and fatherless, who need the gospel. Because the gospel is the only thing that offers hope. When we read the newspaper, we need to read the newspaper. We need to watch the news. But it's depressing. The gospel. 
the gospel. The gospel. It's the only thing that offers hope. The only thing that helps me to make sense of this crazy stuff I see in this world that makes me angry. Two emotions I experience a lot. Anger and sadness in this country. The gospel, I can tell you, is the only thing that makes sense. You got to read the newspaper and apply it through the gospel. I want you to stand with me. Go to the next two slides at the end. I want you to bow your heads. Before you do that, I want you to look at that declaration. As we look at ourselves, we got want God to help us to believe. We got to believe first to embrace it. I didn't preach philosophy or psychology this morning. I preached the word of God. We got to embrace it. We got to celebrate and live the gospel of the king. The gospel. The only thing. The revelation that comes in the word. The only thing that helps us to make sense of the craziness that's happening in our world. And it's not just the United States. Bow your heads with me. And if you can raise your right hand. And I want you to pray. Say this prayer with me. Say, Lord. Help me to believe. Help me to embrace. Help me to celebrate. Help me to celebrate. And live the gospel of the kingdom. And live the gospel of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Real rap this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you. We hope that you've been blessed today by the preaching of God's word. Join us every week for fresh insights on the New Life Philly podcast. If you would like to reach out to our church for more information, or if there's some way we can pray for you, please visit newlifephilly.net or email newlife at newlifephilly.net. May the Lord richly bless you this week.